Welcome back to the Blanket Coverage Podcast. I am Noah Parker. I'm joined as always by my co-host Jack Wallace. We got week 11 recap as well as mostly because it's already Friday uh, previewing week 12 of the college football season. But we had some interesting stuff go down last week, uh, not including the rankings, Jack, uh, which for all the controversy in the first two weeks of rankings, I feel like it just like fizzles like gradually. Yeah, and I think that's because you sort of get in what you want to get in early on. I get that's kind of like pointing out the obvious, but it's because like, I mean, we made the same point two weeks ago. When the rankings came out, we both said, well, a lot of this is just regurgitating teams onto the screen and once you get the teams into the rankings then you can kind of double there and once a lot of that is figured out then you can sort of go week by week and help determine it more and yes the college football playoff rankings usually by and i'll say second to last not the last week usually by the second to last week we get some of the most accurate playoff rankings just because the last week we usually see some idiocy go on with who actually gets in or not but in terms of this week's rankings things are looking pretty normal now we're going to pull up these um on a separate page as we always do so we'll get those up and ready uh we won't really go deep diving in i just want to have a visual just to make things a little nicer for us and i will get it up right here so here we go list on the rankings uh georgia bama oregon ohio state cincy michigan michigan state at your top seven i've all stayed nothing changed from those teams they are all uh sticking steady there not really anything particularly surprising about that either. But then when you move down, we get a little bit of shifts going on. <clears throat> Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, Wake Forest, Baylor, and Ole Miss all moved up. Uh, Wake and Baylor a couple of spots, and Ole Miss up three spots. So Ole Miss back near the top 10 at number 12. Could see some potential moves in them as well. Uh, Oklahoma obviously fell down a bunch. We'll get to their loss later in our podcast. And then BYU. Uh, still sticking the same at 14, which I do think is fair. Haven't really done a lot recently to earn moving up much. Uh, Wisconsin moving up three. I still think it's hilarious that Wisconsin is number 15 in the country, but, I, I mean, they're still winning games now. Uh, and then A&M went down five, which, again, makes sense due to their loss. Uh, I don't think as bad as OU's, but, you know, it's still getting there anyway. Uh, Iowa, Pittsburgh, and San Diego State, all three of those teams have moved up three spots to take these 17, 18, and 19 positions. And then with your final six teams here, you have NC State, who tumbled down a little bit after their loss this week, and Arkansas flying up four spots, UTSA and Utah coming in. Finally, Houston getting ranked, which I've been begging for for weeks now. I've been saying we need to get Houston on the board to get ranked in. And finally, they got there. And then Mississippi State coming in as well. They were not ranked, uh, also not ranked in the uh, AP poll. Um, which is a little bit interesting. In fact, they're the only team in this whole rankings this week that is not ranked in the AP poll. The only team in the AP that's not here is uh, Louisiana Lafayette, who is at number 22 in the AP poll. And I get, no, you were away for a little bit. I uh, just went down and talked about most of the rankings. Um, Auburn and Purdue are your two teams out from last week. Well, I think Mississippi State being ranked is kind of, uh, obviously I have a few problems with it. Uh, based on the fact that they're six and four, but honestly, there aren't that many power five teams to fill out the bottom of the top 25. Uh, so when you look at ranked wins, uh, Mississippi State's going to have more ranked wins than any other team that might be kind of contending for that 25 spot. Um, 
other than that, I, I really didn't see much that I didn't disagree or that I disagreed with uh, as far as the rankings go. Um, uh, Pittsburgh seems a little high to me, uh, but but they're getting it done on the field, um, despite what the eye test uh, may tell you and what their schedule uh, may tell you. Houston, and frankly, um, I love I love the fact that they finally ranked Houston. Yes, I made that point when you were going. But yeah, terrible. For them to finally rank Houston, but they did it. That's true, and and I and I think Louisiana Lafayette. Um, frankly, I think they should be ranked next week if they beat Liberty on the road, because I know Liberty's gotten a lot of attention recently. Um, they're one of those teams that's uh, starting to pull up in the rankings a little bit. I know in the AP polls getting some votes, so I, I do think if Louisiana beats Liberty um, on the road tomorrow, I think that they could get in um, and be ranked, especially if Mississippi State keeps. Uh, waffling back and forth between wins and losses because uh, Louisiana uh, is very, very close to clinching up their division and moving on to the Sun Belt title game. Remember, they beat App State 41-13. Like, they've had some really big wins this season. And um, really, Louisiana's only slip-up so far has been against Texas, which, yes, is aging pretty poorly. But Louisiana has been perfect besides that. And so I think that um, they're one of those teams that I think has a very good right to argue for some ranking coming in. So, uh, that's probably going to be all for that talk. I know we don't really have a lot on that this week, um, but your undefeateds, just to get through that real quick, uh, undefeateds are UGA, Cincinnati, and UTSA coming at number one, number five, and number 23. So we're down to just three now. Um, and technically, I think it's four if you count FCS Sam Houston State, uh, which I think is one of the confirmed teams to come up to the FBS. We'll actually be getting in. Um, a good chunk of changes in from from FBS to F uh, to, or sorry FCS to FBS next year. So that is one of them. And uh, your odds for the college football playoffs coming in. This is of course as we do every week according to five thirty eight. And that's Georgia at eighty one percent, Alabama fifty nine, Oregon forty two, um, or sorry, I always write OSU confused. Ohio State forty percent. Cincinnati 34, Oklahoma State 32, Notre Dame 23, Michigan 23, OU 21, Wake Forest 11, and both Baylor and Michigan State at 10%, which still cracks me up that Michigan State's path to the playoffs is infinitely easier than most of those teams ahead of them, yet, or sorry, let me not say easier, simpler. Their path to the playoff is much simpler. Michigan State only has to win a few games and doesn't need any help from anybody. Michigan state is still with fully within control of their own destiny. While Baylor is not wake forest is not Notre Dame is not. So a lot of these teams are still kind of don't really have all of it together while Michigan state, you just went out and I don't really think it's an argument. Michigan state gets in if they went out, of course it's pretty low odds. They went out, but it still isn't impossible. So for me, I do think it's sort of funny, not unfair, but just still kind of funny that Michigan State is still a top-seven team and only has 10% odds to make the playoffs, while Oklahoma State's two spots below, and they have three times better odds. So goes to show yeah. you helps being in a weaker conference. Yeah, no, exa- exactly. Um, I, I still find it really interesting that Michigan has far better odds to uh, make the playoff than Michigan State, despite the fact that Michigan State beat them on the field. And they're still they ahead of them. Same record. You know, You know what would really help? in that argument between those two teams, if we had some way where they could both play each other head to head, so you could see which team is better on the same field, wouldn't that help determine which team is better? That'd be a great idea. The fact of the matter is I think there's a little bit of eye test involved with that game. Cause even though Michigan state's offense looked good in that game, 
the defense gave up over 300, maybe over 400. I don't remember the exact number yards to Cade McNamara and Michigan's offense has not had a passing game like that in any game this year. That's because Michigan state has the worst pass defense in the country. It's actually Which doesn't help. It does not it's help. Actually 130 out of 130, but let me check on that. There's no way. I'll I'll look it up too. I'm trying to find it. Passing yards allowed. Um, oh well, congratulations to Washington for being number one. I bet that's gotten you a lot of help this oh, year. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Oh my God, they're last. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I thought you were best with me. They're worse than Duke. <laughs> they're worse than Duke. <laughs> by two, two, they're worse than Duke by two hundred yards. With the and same amount of games you, played. Thank you to Duke Louisville last what? night, by the way, for absolutely smashing the over. 60 and a half. I mean, are we surprised, though? No. Duke is game. I don't know why the total was so low. And I also think, too, we're going to get to this game later in the podcast, but at least after watching Louisville live, this had been a team that had been so close in back-and-forth games and they just could not pull it out and they needed to get a breakaway game. And, of course, Syracuse was the victim, as we always are. But now that uh, they got rid of that, um, knowing they play Kentucky last game of the season, which I know is is pretty difficult this year, I was thinking that I was like, yeah, if they beat Cuse, they're going to a bowl game because everybody knew that Louisville was going to beat Duke by a 1,000, and that pretty much happened. But, hey – I got to say, it's pretty neat that if you take the top five quarterbacks in rushing yards in the country, I will photograph three of the five this season, which is kind of remarkable. That uh, Garrett Schrader from Syracuse, Malik Cunningham from Louisville, and uh, Malik Willis from Liberty. Uh, I had the opportunity to cover all three of the five, which is kind of insane. So uh, pretty neat that I got to do that this year. But yeah, they're, uh, Louisville deserves to go to a bowl game. They had a lot of sort of back and forth this season. But yeah, they, they deserve to go to a bowl game. So good for them for getting a win. But yeah, there's some pretty god-awful teams down there. Um, in fact, if you want to judge on Power 5 teams with a winning record, because Michigan State's at 130th, the next highest Power 5 team with a winning record is actually, take a guess. Wait, wait, wait. What's the prompt? Sorry, I was don't, don't look that. Don't look at, don't look at the, don't look at the table. Don't, don't cheat on it. But what is, if Michigan State is the worst Power 5 team with a winning record in terms of pass defense, who is the second worst? Power 5 winning record. Power five with a winning record. This shouldn't surprise you. When I tell you, you'll be like, oh, of course. <laughs> well, Texas doesn't have a winning record, do they? No, and Texas is actually not even in the bottom 30. Ooh. Which is kind of surprising, but the it is Big 12. I'll give you that hint. It is Big the 12. Actually, they're multiple. They're multiple Big 12 teams in that oh, bottom 30. That sounds like an Oklahoma stat. Ooh, close. Oklahoma is actually the second worst Big 12 team, but there is a worse one. Baylor? <laughs> no. The winning record. That's what's throwing me off here. TCU. Uh-uh. TCU's not in the bottom 30, which is, again, remarkable. <laughs> it's not Okie State. They have a good defense. No, it's not. It's not Oklahoma State. It's not Kansas. Kansas is actually decent. TCU's a 76, by the way. Texas is 70. Baylor 68. Kansas State 61, West Virginia 53, Kansas at 96. The Iowa State? 
Uh, Iowa State's 23rd. They're actually pretty good at pass defense. Syracuse at 22? Oh, my God. Arizona is the 20th best pass defense in the country? (laughs) Yeah, they don't play any good quarterbacks. That's true. The answer is Texas Tech at 116th. Yeah, I was thinking who always has a god-awful defense. It's pretty much – The winning record part threw me off. When I think winning record, I don't think Texas Tech. Yeah, they're going to a bowl game. (laughs) Sonny Cumbie. Like, I'm sorry, Texas Tech at 6-4 and is way worse than Louisville at 6-5. and Louisville would beat Texas Tech easily. I have full confidence in that. The the way they've been playing right now, no doubt. Also, just a side note, uh, right now it's a beautiful sunny day out in Syracuse outside. Uh, two hours ago, it was heavily snowing, and now there's no snow on the ground, and it's a wonderful sunny day. <laughs> Gotta love that. Love winter. Very, very bizarre. But uh, we can actually move on next to, uh, of course, a classic, a classic segment we've built here, Winners and Losers. And we got a good chunk here for y'all this week. Uh, we're actually going to be slimming down Winners and Losers because we usually go kind of long on that. So we'll be doing now two uh, per winner and loser instead of three just to cut off time. But our first option here, which uh, this winner is, I think we're, we can do this when we do our recap at the end of the season. But we got to do our winners and losers from the whole year. One of the ones that's going to be there of the whole year was the fact that not for the first time, but for the second time in the last like five or six years, the Kansas Jayhawks have beaten the Texas Longhorns and give it up for the boys from Lawrence for beating Texas once again. This is one of the sorriest things I think I've ever seen. But Kansas, my God, they have done it. And Kansas did it. 57 to 56. Kansas has averaged. Let's just uh, – and I got some stats through this. And actually, um, if uh, y'all are checking it out on the blog page, and I know it's got some great NFL articles, I've gotten my solid college football articles in. And I have my winners and losers from this week. And actually, I added in an extra for each of them too for writing. But um, if you want to check on this, there we got some stats for y'all for, for this one because there are some absurd statistics. Kansas averages 6.8 points per game outside of Oklahoma and Texas. When they play Oklahoma and Texas, 40 points per game is the average. From 6.8 to 40 for the two biggest name brand teams in the Big 12. Sorry, SEC. So um, – yeah, the SEC chants were loud and proud in Lawrence from the not very big crowd. You could hear them very loud on the on the um, broadcast. Uh, Kansas had lost eight straight games, which is tied for the longest in the country. 18 straight conference game, which is tied for the longest of any team in any conference um, right now. 21 straight against FBS opponents, the longest active streak in the country. And this is, this is the best one. 56 road games against conference opponents in a row. The last time that Kansas had beat any conference foe on the road was in 2008. I was nine. (laughs) I'm in grad school now. (laughs) I not only finished my entire primary education, but I went through middle school, high school, college, and I'm halfway through grad school. And that's how long it took Kansas to win on one Saturday on the road. It's just you can't it, make this up. <laughs> you can't, um, but you kind of can because it's Texas, right? Oh, First, man. they fired 
Tom Herman for going seven and three <laughs> just to lose to Kansas. <laughs> the best part is they let Kansas score 57. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, who and, cares? And, 56. <laughs> obviously, this is indicative of a much larger problem at Texas uh, or, or set of problems at Texas, really, uh, because – there's been leaked audio of Sark arguing with players. There's been yelling at the, on the bus. Of there course. was the whole stripper monkey investigation <laughs> thing. Um, one, of my, one of my biggest highlights of this year, the stripper monkey story. Monkey Still game. amazed by Monkey Kate. Uh, another note, um, which this is, this is a good one too. Um, since 1978, when the FBS and FCS split, which I actually didn't know that, that that was the year that they split off. Since that year, Kansas has been an underdog by at least 24 points 100 times. Kansas was 0-100 in those games. <laughs> now they're 1-100. <laughs> wow. Like, that's that's wow, nuts. Wow. That's nuts. Like, th- there's no other team that was more big to lose this game. And then also, shout out Jalen Daniels. The quarterback for Kansas who didn't even know he's going to be playing until like this morning of the game, 202 yards, 21 for 30 passing, three touchdowns, and the game-winning two-point conversion. Uh, yeah, he hadn't actually started all season. If he plays in either of the final two games, he has to burn his red shirt. So I don't think they'll actually do that. But yeah, Kansas legitimately, Daniels played really, really well. This was one of the best quarterback performances I've seen from Kansas in actually a very long time, if ever, uh, which again, is usually something we don't ever say, but I mean, I got to give him credit. It's something you don't ever see. And then the the fullback, who I don't remember his name, but um, the Kansas fullback who caught the game-winning two-point conversion. Uh, yeah, Jared Casey. I don't think – I'll check on this, but I don't think he's actually had ever played a game ever. Like that was the first time that he had touched the football on the field for Kansas, and he got the game-winning two-point conversion to win. You and know, he already has all these NIL deals. He had an Applebee's yeah, commercial he's go got live. An Applebee's commercial. Like it's crazy. Of legends. Yeah, he got eight hundred dollars for it, and he got a thousand dollars in Applebee's gift cards. <laughs> Unbelievable. Think of how many two for twenty twos you can get with a thousand dollar gift card. I'm so excited for Kansas to cover <laughs> against TCU this week. <laughs> twenty one and a half. Oh, that, that's a lot. Twenty one and a half, Jack. You think, That's a lot. you think they're going to cover 21 and a half? It's uh, well, well you see, the reason that TCU struggled against Oklahoma State so much was we're really focused on Kansas. Exactly. Good game for us. That makes sense. Oh, also, Casey, by the way, um, he's also a walk on, <laughs> doesn't I even have that. a scholarship. So you let a walk on tight end slash fullback beat you, Texas, that's which a, has a team full a of five stars. Guy. That that's is that's college football. football. That's college football for you. That's that's ridiculous. But that's my winner, my first and big winner. So go on to your uh, your first winner. Well, my winner once again um, is the first quarter Vols because the first quarter Vols might be the best team in the country this season. <laughs> you look at the wins we've gotten in the first quarter this year. Uh, we were up on Alabama in the first quarter. And this last weekend, the only team – to score double-digit points on Georgia this season in the first quarter, and the Vols led seven 
to 10. Now, of course, the wheels <laughs> really fell off at that point. Um, I was thinking, I, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about going to the game last weekend, and then I uh, ended up not going. I went to the Titans game instead, so I picked up an extra shift at work, and I was checking the scores at work and uh, texted my buddy in the second quarter. It was like uh, – I think it was like 17 to 14 uh, at one point. And I was like, man, we should have gone to Knoxville. Like this is uh, th- this could be huge for the Vols. Uh, it was not so because uh, <laughs> after the first quarter, uh, Tennessee was outscored 34 to seven for the rest of the game. <laughs> but still, still, you you love to see the fact that Tennessee comes out in these games and actually competes instead of just laying down from the opening whistle, uh, which is the way it's been under the previous two coaching regimes. Uh, so you you really do love to see what Josh Heupel is doing. Hendon Hooker uh, actually had a pretty good day, uh, obviously against the Georgia defense. Really tough to get in the end zone, but. 65 the, the, the pick was pretty the pick was pretty bad though the pick he sort of just floated up and gave right to him I was seeing the highlight of it and the pick was pretty unforced but but overall the day was pretty decent. passing uh 244 yards through the air and Tennessee couldn't run the ball at all that was the real problem uh yeah I mean the rushing stats from that game are abominable I'm not even going to go into them but I'm proud of the balls. I'm proud of the first quarter balls. You got to come out and punch them into the ma- in the mouth and uh, see if they can take it. And obviously, the best teams in the country can take it a lot better uh, than some of the worst teams. I would have liked to see this more against Ole Miss, though. Yeah, no, that that's true too. That w- would have been a lot more helpful for the balls there. Uh, my next winner, and I, I guess also my final winner, is going to be the whole Magnolia State. I think I may have done this earlier in the year as one of the winners or losers, but it comes back again with both Ole Miss and Mississippi State coming in and getting uh, both almost unexpected wins. I think uh, both these teams were on the seat to lose, and both came out and won. And so Ole Miss, we'll start with them, uh, played Texas a and This is one of the games we disagreed on last week. And uh, Ole Miss came out and won in a pretty solid game, especially a really, really good fourth quarter after um after shutting out uh a&m including a safety 15 nothing was a score at halftime but then uh a&m sort of roared right back got right back with 13 points so 13 to 15 but then a touchdown followed by a 52 yard pick six one of the best defensive plays of the whole weekend and this game was shut up and done um old miss again this game was really really tight until that pick six but that pretty much ended it um and then another interception late in the game too. But yeah, the defense, the defense of Ole Miss saving them in this game, which I uh, I didn't exactly predict that. I mean, my prediction for this game was that AM could not stop the offensive onslaught of Ole Miss. But if you take away that touchdown from the pick six, it's a 19 to 22 win, which I don't think that says to anybody that big. And you know what? Take away the safety too. That's still 19-20. Ole Miss still wins, but that's only 20 points from your offense. So a&M's defense did actually a pretty good job against Ole Miss, so I, I won't fault them for that. But this was a pretty concerning game if you're AM on the offensive end, because if you look at it on just your end of the ball, you won, but you won 19 to 9. If you just take away the defensive points, you basically surrendered and then your own, which 19 is just not that good. So, yeah, this was kind of a bizarre game. I don't really know what was going on through AM. They did get one pretty late garbage time touchdown. But besides that, it was just sort of a nothing burger for AM offensively. So 
Uh, I was happy I got my pick right with Ole Miss. They're now up to eight and two, but AM and, and Calzada just did not do a whole lot on offense. It wasn't that good. And Ole Miss having themselves a really solid season. Now the question's gonna be, is this the game that chases both of these coaches out of town? Yeah, we're, seeing Lane reports, Kiffin, yeah. we're seeing reports Lane Kiffin would take the Miami job if offered, which uh Sounds like the college football version of like NBA tampering to me, uh, but but I a little bit, <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, Russell Wilson would play for these five teams. Like, okay, thanks, Russ. You just gave us your wish list for teams that you want to be traded to. Uh, congratulations. No, I I I find it very interesting. Uh, where both of these programs are at at the moment. Because obviously we thought we'd see more success from Texas a and at this point, but they were almost in the playoff last year, save for Alabama being Death Star Alabama mode. Yeah, that's true. And, and I think I think the thing with Lane Kiffin is there is a cap on that Ole Miss program. There, There really is. If you look at the historical numbers – Ole Miss has not been that great of a program as far as winning and as far as success. Now there are programs, uh, there are programs that are able to do that specifically, and there's a very small list of it specifically uh, consistently uh, was what I meant to say. There. there are a list of programs that have been able to do that consistently, but it's a very small list. But if you look at the programs that have been able to do it consistently in the past. That includes teams like USC and Miami and LSU. And Ole Miss is just not one of those teams that has been able to provide a foundation for a coach to really, really succeed at an extremely high level. Uh, Now, stability and fun um, and just overall quality of life, I would say Ole Miss is a pretty attractive destination for a coach. But as far as winning and as far as championships go – I think Lane Kiffin is starting to smell the roses of the ACC, which sucks this year, versus the SEC, which is absolutely cannibalizing itself. That's Yeah, the SEC, besides what we've seen out of Georgia, and I guess mostly out of Alabama, besides their one slip-up, has really been sort of all over the place. Um, and we can see that, too. I mean, I guess I'll move on to the second half of my win with Mississippi State. The rest of the Magnolia State here. But um, this game was uh, bringing back some unfortunate shades. I know 28-3 to is a scoreline that we don't like to talk about on here for good reason. But uh, Auburn did it this week because they said, you know what, we want agony too. And Auburn went up 28-3, to and then, of course, they ended up choking and blowing the entire game, which is, again, very impressive. So hats off to Auburn for uh, managing to do that because, honestly, it's it's pretty impressive to be able to do that. But – yeah, this was pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> Will Rogers played the game of his life, 44 for 55 passing, 4 to 15 yards, 6 touchdowns, 33 to 6 in the second half. So not only was this the biggest comeback in Mississippi State history, but it was also the biggest blown lead in Auburn history. So setting a couple of records here, uh, one very good for one side and one obviously devastating for the other. So Auburn, again, the ultimate 6-4 and four team. And look who they have to play next. They got South Carolina and Alabama. And what's a more classic season than seeing Auburn go 7-5? and five? Because it looks like that's what they're on track to do. So, yeah, I think the uh, Auburn upset over uh, Alabama looks less and less likely to happen. We know that Auburn had an absolute buzzsaw to play after that LSU win with Georgia, Arkansas, Mississippi, A&M, Mississippi State, all back-to-back-to-back. 
and a majority of those games being very difficult. And Auburn so far through that gauntlet has gone two and three, which really isn't that bad considering that they're all were ranked teams at the time, uh, with the exception of Mississippi State. Um, but yeah, if you don't beat South Carolina, that's pretty pathetic. So yeah, Auburn's got to come out and win that game. I, I don't see them having any chance of beating Alabama. But yeah, it was pretty bizarre there. I I I really don't know what's going on with Auburn at this point, other than the fact that it's Brian Harson's first year. Um, they weren't able to run the ball with the exception of one fifty-seven yard run. Uh, they were absolutely stuffed on the ground by a Mississippi State team that's really good in the trenches, uh, but is not exactly known for being the toughest, most physical team. They are a more uh, spread, air raid, uh, Big 12-style team, uh, and that's what they had to resort to uh, to win this game because Will Rogers was absolutely on fire, 80% passing, 415 yards, 9.7 adjusted yards or average adjusted yards per attempt, uh, six touchdowns, zero interceptions. That that's good enough for player of the week honors, um, in, in my opinion. Uh, and and you mentioned a funny scoreline there, uh, because uh, you know twenty eight to three. Did was there a football game last night? Uh, no, there was not. Actually, wait, no, there was. Um, let me actually check real quick. It was Louisville Duke. Uh, yes, there was Louisville, which I actually did want to talk about that game later because it had a lot going on. But um, if you were mentioning NFL, the answer is uh, no. There was no NFL game on last night. That Are you exist. sure there wasn't like a 2016 Super Bowl rematch of any sort? Uh, no, there was not. Positive? Okay, cool. No, because – 80 to 90 percent of those players are gone at this point, and honestly, good riddance. But uh, but no, there wasn't much on. Uh, just just Louisville Duke, <laughs> which yeah, just just that. All right. Just a, a primarily red team versus a primarily blue team. That's well, yeah, that was that, played. Settle, that settles that then. Uh, my second winner. This is going to be a quick one. UConn covered against Clemson. <laughs> Good teams win. Great team cover. Great teams cover. Um, and UConn covered a forty-one point spread against Clemson. Kudos. Hey, UConn actually scored a touchdown in this game. In fact, they actually led for the first. Yeah. <laughs> UConn yes. led for the first uh, twelve minutes of this game. <laughs> Shout out UConn. Yeah, that's this is a UConn team that's known for uh, being horrible. Uh, yardage in this game, four hundred seventy six to ninety nine. <laughs> but you know <laughs> Come what? On. Kind of like the first quarter balls, UConn won the first half of the first quarter. <laughs> you UConn's <laughs> UConn's starting quarterback nine for twenty one, ninety yards, two picks. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's just that's so sad. All right, now on to our losers, which is always a lot of fun to talk about. But we got to our losers, and I got a whole bunch of good options this week. But for my first one, which I know is a little bit piggybacking off of the Kansas one, but that was mostly because that one was to celebrate Kansas. Now this one is to dog Texas, but also Oklahoma. But this is just all the new SEC editions, otherwise known as we're back and Choklahoma. Um, two different phrases we've loved to make fun of for the last few years that somehow never get old. They always 
uh, show up every single season, and they're still being true to this day. So both these games were absolutely hilarious. I know we talked a lot about uh, how solid things were for the Kansas side of things, but to focus on the Texas side a bit, this has been pretty rough for them. Texas themselves had not lost five straight games since guess how long ago was the last time Texas lost five in a row. Five in a row. That sounds like a Charlie Strong stab, but I know it's probably before that. Well, the last time that Texas has lost five in a row, uh, I thought I actually wrote this down. I didn't. So let me get this up. <laughs> I know. I, th- I thought it was in my article. I actually forgot to put it in. 1956 was the oh. last time that Texas had lost five in a row. I have a lot of other good stats in here, too, but that was the last time lost five in a row. The lot, since Texas did the we're back thing, they're 19 and 14 since that. Zero Big 12 title game appearances and one head coach firing. Since 2009, Texas has had one 10 win season, three head coaches, and under seven wins a season, if you take each year averaging. Under seven wins in the last 12 years. Um, yeah, it's kind of amazing. Thought, side note I hope you saw the one shining moment video for Texas's season so far. <laughs> No, I haven't. It's on my Twitter page. I'll take <laughs> check it out. Oh man, no, it's uh, Kansas had only beaten two FBS opponents multiple times this decade, and it's Central Michigan and Texas. It's 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 remarkable. Uh, so yeah, those are my those are my fun facts on that. But yeah, Texas is absolutely down horrendously. In 2018, they were 10 and four, seven and two in the conference. 2019, they were eight and five, five and four in the conference. 2020, they were seven and three, five and three in the conference, and then 2021, four and six, two and five in the conference. Well, let's getting get, worse every year. Let's. I love piling on Texas, but let's talk about Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, I just had to get those stats up. Yeah, but OU on the L in Oklahoma. Oh yeah, don't think I'm letting OU off the hook either. Um, I actually wrote I wrote in my article as well. This is a week uh, that OU would like to forget sooner rather than later. Uh, just, <laughs> just to be painful for you, I know. But um, but it's true though. Oklahoma would like to forget this game very quickly because they lost to Baylor, and now we know Baylor is not an incompetent team. I'll say that about them. They've actually won a good amount of games this year, but you lost to TCU which means that you do get a massive knock on your competence. And, uh, yeah, Baylor beat Oklahoma 27-14. It wasn't really particularly close at any point, um, except Oklahoma took the lead early, and then Baylor scored 24 in a row. Um, and then Baylor actually kicked a field goal as time expired for no reason. Absolutely no reason. It was a 10-point oh, spread. The exact, and they just <laughs> I'll tell you the exact reason. It's because I, I'm not sure which year it was, but there there was one year, uh, it might have been last year, when Oklahoma beat Baylor 66-33. Uh, to 33, They kicked a field goal to make it an even 66 uh, just to double up Baylor. They kicked a field goal. Oh, man. Yeah, so I, you know, I understand that. And again, obviously, we're both a couple of people that have absolutely no love for either Baylor or Oklahoma. This was a game that I had no interest in seeing the winner of. But I do still think it's funny to see Oklahoma lose. And yes, losing this game was hilarious. Now, Oklahoma is not completely out of the playoff race, of course, but this does damage their odds extremely and basically puts it all down to Bedlam, which is probably going to end up deciding 
Um, in fact, I near will guarantee will decide one of the two teams in the Big, Big 12 championship game. Of course, Oklahoma's got to get through Iowa State first next week, but it's also an Iowa State game in Norman, which has me pretty confident that OU can and, bounce back. But, uh, and I'm not entirely sure that Oklahoma's going to be able to score on Oki State. If you can't, I, 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 Oklahoma Gators. State's going to win that game. <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't think Oklahoma, he's winning that. The, the problem right now is that Oklahoma can't score against good defenses. That's been the problem all year. They've been incredibly average. Now against TCU, which has an awful defense, and against Texas, who just gave up 57 points to Kansas, That's not. those are not impressive games to run up the score. Uh, when Okie State can score 63 against TCU, I think anyone can score 60 against TCU. But the the Oklahoma offense is troubling, to say the least. Um, and and I, I'm not sure what it comes down to. I think they have a lack of true, real receiving talent this year. Uh, I think they're hammer, ironing out some O-line issues uh, as far as the composition goes. And I think the two quarterback situation has really messed with both quarterbacks heads. Well, you want to talk about how bad this loss was for Oklahoma. They had 260 total yards, which is their fewest ever with Lincoln Riley in the last five years as head coach. And if you want to even count the two seasons when he was their offensive coordinator, still the fewest yards, fewest points in a regular season game since they lost 48 to 14 against Baylor in 2014, uh, which then they lost to Clemson 40 to six in the Russell athletic bowl that season. So if you have some moments there. Oh, you also lost in November under Riley for the first time in this game and snapped a 17-game winning streak. So lots of good things coming to an end in Norman, at least with that game. But if you're OU, just like I said with Michigan State after they lost, you still got two more games to show up and be good and win but, something. So if you're, your season's but, not over. It's just that's a really bad loss. But I think it kind of is. I don't think the committee is going to put Oklahoma – I think the committee views – uh, Cincinnati is better than Oklahoma at this point. Now, could it depends, it depends how there, they play. Is there a path for Oklahoma to make the playoff? Yes. But I don't think Oklahoma has impressed this year any more than Cincinnati has. I, OU's path is all about win differential. And if they can beat Oklahoma State soundly and win the Big 12 championship soundly. I don't think they'll do that. I think it's kind of an obvious take that they probably won't do that. But I say if they do, I would see them in. I think they have to beat Oklahoma State twice and convincingly. Yeah. yeah. That that is you're the best I mean. The well, they're certainly top six if they do that. No doubt at all they'd be top six easily. But a lot of it is dependent on if Cincinnati blows some dumb game, if Oregon loses another game, because they both are obviously one game away from being essentially done. So OU OU now needs a little help, which honestly, even Oregon and Cincinnati um will need to get a little help if they want to get higher up. I know Oregon has been um, very soundly, very, very high for this team, despite having uh, not really any uh, solid conference wins. I know the Ohio State win has been absolutely carrying them the entire season, but um, which it should. I mean, Ohio State's a very solid team that has been ranked very highly for a reason. But, um, but yeah, they have that down. But that's my first loser. Let's move on to your first loser. My loser this week is boosters. And by that, I mean boosters that are paying these massive buyouts. Um, and, and I should have written all this down beforehand. But uh, 
Justin Fuente got fired at Virginia Tech this past week. Uh, Jimmy Lake also getting fired at Washington. Now, Justin Fuente's uh, buyout significantly higher, uh, and now it's trying to make me disable my ad blocker just to find out uh, what the buyout is here. Um, Justin Fuente had a massive buyout, uh, larger than Jimmy Lake, certainly. Um, (laughs) So Justin Fuente's buyout um, was, it it was actually negotiated down from 10 million to 8.75 million. Uh, But if Virginia Tech just could have waited until December 15th. I remember this. It would have been 7.5. But essentially, the boosters said, nah, screw this. We're firing this guy now. I don't care about this $1.25 million. I mean, Justin's happy. <laughs> Which, once we get up into these numbers, it's just such an absurd amount of money that we can't even, like, we can't even wrap our heads around like how much money that actually is but they just paid justin fuente it it, 1.25 mil extra to go away before uh before december 15th now let me find out what manny diaz's buyout is because he's probably the next on the coat on the uh chopping block now I gotta look. I gotta find out what all these buyouts are, and I should have done this ahead of time, uh, but I didn't. And it's still doing the the uh, buyout things or the uh, ad block thing. But the buyout season is not getting any better. Uh, Coach O already receiving, I believe it's like a seventeen million dollar buyout. Gus Malzahn last year had like a twenty four million dollar buyout. Um, which which this reason is the reason why that Babers is not getting fired this season no matter what happens, which, yes, after the loss this weekend where we were 5-4 five and four, now 5-5, five and five, it is still very, very possible that Syracuse does not make a bowl game this year. And if that happens, will he get fired? No, because we still were projected to be enough, heinous this year. Interestingly enough, do you know who doesn't have a buyout in their contract? Who? Nick Saban. Well. <laughs> doesn't have a buyout. He I said, mean, if you all don't like how I'm doing the job, fire me. I, I think mean, it worked out pretty well for them. I don't really think he would need one. <laughs> yeah. I think on I think both parties are pretty pleased with the situation in Tuscaloosa. Um, if if you ask me. Uh, but but yeah, big money buyouts and the boosters are the real losers here. And and Sark's buyout at Texas is like 10 million. <laughs> Of course it is. <laughs> His lawyer's getting a big winner for this week. Yeah. So uh, my next loser up here is kind of a two-parter. My final loser. And it's Florida's dignity. Not Florida, but Florida's dignity. And uh, this doesn't count Emory Jones. He's excluded from this because he actually had a stellar performance. So I, I won't count him. But Florida's dignity plus uh, Dan Mullen's uh, dignity. And also, a side note, just how the SEC schedules games. I just wanted to throw that under a, a loser, too. Oh, because yeah. because that needs to be pointed out as well. 
Now, Florida this week played Sanford because why would you play a decent team in November? Oh, it's because you're an SEC team, which means that you get to play a joke team in the middle of November to make up for the fact that you didn't play anybody else, which if you're saying, oh, that's just Florida, that's not that big of a deal. Well, it's not just Florida. Alabama and Kentucky play New Mexico State, who's now 1-9. and nine. Georgia plays Charleston Southern next week. Mississippi State plays Tennessee State tomorrow. A&M plays Prairie View A&M. Tennessee plays South Alabama. LSU against ULM. And then Ole Miss against Vanderbilt, which I basically just count as a free game. So Schedule a 10th conference game, you cowards. It's so bad that they get to play these joke games. And in fact, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Missouri, and Auburn well, would they say, oh, well, y'all are exempt this year for not playing joke teams in late in the year. But Arkansas still played 3-7 and seven Rice, 3-7 and seven Georgia Southern, and 4-6 and six Texas. South Carolina still played Eastern Illinois, an FCS team, Eastern Carolina, and Clemson in a very, very down year. Missouri faces off against Central Michigan, Southeast Missouri State, and Boston College, and they lost that Boston College game. It, it, and then really, Vanderbilt's terrible anyway. So they all play joke schedules. And it really Everyone. goes to show that you only need one – you need one team, one game. You only need one big win throughout the season. If you get through that one big win, even if you lose the rest of your games against good teams, people will be like, oh, they're a decent team because you've got the three other wins – uh, that are just automatic to bolster your program instead of playing actual competition every single week and seeing any sort of parity. Yeah, I don't get it. It's very annoying that they get to play these terrible teams this late in the year or just play horrible seasons anyway. Um, the only team I actually will give credit for having a hard schedule is Auburn, but they always have a hard schedule every single year, so I I, I won't really give Auburn crap for that. Um, but yeah, back to Florida. Uh, the offense actually is pretty solid. Emory Jones, 464 yards, six touchdowns, 28 for 34 passing, and then 70 points. So, again, Emory Jones, you're off the hook here. I won't get mad at you because he really had a great game here. But against the defense, Stanford. no, 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 the defense, <laughs> the defense allows 27.4 points per game, 60th in total defense, which is eighth in the conference, and they lost 40 to 17 against South Carolina last week. Sanford scored 42 in the first half. The first you want to know ever to score 40 in the first half on Florida, and it was the Sanford Bulldogs. And you want to know how many FCS schools have scored 42 points in the first half over FBS schools? Zero. One. One. And it's Sanford. Ah, yes. That's the one. Um, they also had 530 uh, yards as well. Uh, Florida's scoring output against their last four FCS opponents, 199-16 to 16 <laughs> against their last four combined. Um, yeah, the, the, I said the best part of this game by far was Dan Mullen celebrating on the sideline um, and the team partying in the locker room. I don't know if you saw that video, but they were all partying in the locker room like they just beat yeah, Georgia. Celebrating so. the big win against Samford. Rog Bulldogs. Rog Bulldogs. (laughs) I'm on a mission now to find Dan Mullen's buyout. It is uh, sadly the Rog Bulldogs team they're celebrating beating. That's not that's not the right way you want to go. So, yeah, this is uh, twelve. You want to talk about? I think it's twelve million to fire Dan Mullen right now, and they might do it. It's just, it's just, it's mind blowing. I don't know how you can be this terrible at football. And 
it just to completely collapse the way they did. It's really remarkable. But yep, that's my that's my second loser there. SEC scheduling has been a joke. Florida being terrible this season. I knew they were gonna I mean, we all knew they were gonna be bad. We made that point very clear in our college football preview where we talked about how these teams are gonna fall apart some. We knew they weren't gonna be good, but this was pretty sad. And again, Florida still won. They still won by a lot of points. I mean, it wasn't like the second half was close whatsoever. Um, so I'm not trying to act like Florida stunk it up uh, for the whole game, but you're, you're still were losing 42 to 35 at halftime. I mean, it's, it's kind of insane. So um, yeah, Sanford was actually favored to win at, uh, at one point they were favored. Um, but I kind of insane. Mind you, Florida didn't turn the ball over a single time, and Sanford scored 52 points. No turnovers, and they still managed to score 52 points. So they didn't even get they didn't even get free yards. Just an offensive I mean, machine down in Birmingham. Don't right forget now. the 98 yard return touchdown by Sanford too. So special teams. Oh, Absolutely. also it's snow. It's snowing again. <laughs> oh, fun stuff. <laughs> so there well, you go, and raining. So freezing rain and stuff. Well, you know where it's not snowing right now is uh, South Carolina, where the South Carolina Gamecocks lost to uh, Missouri. That's not really what I wanted to point out here because South Carolina is essentially irrelevant this year. But Coastal Carolina, which of course had lost previously to App State a few weeks back, tough game in Boone, tough place to play. This week, lost at home to Georgia State, forty-two to forty. And Georgia State was four and five coming into this game. <laughs> and you gotta wonder, you know, Jamie Chadwell has been taking calls. You gotta wonder two things: one, is Jamie Chadwell just gonna take the next call uh, and take the next flight to wherever? Um, on, on it is flight tracker season, by the way. Um, Oh, of course. Is Jamie Chadwell just going to take the next flight to wherever uh, to become the next head coach at X University? Or are those calls just going to stop coming in because the magic has worn off in Myrtle Beach a little bit? I don't know. I mean, all I know is the Kansas win is looking better every week. Yeah. That Kansas win is shining bright. Resume booster. That's a power. That's a power five team. I mean, I I can't make fun of Coastal Carolina because you know Coastal did beat Kansas, who beat Texas, who beat TCU. So the transitive property does say that Coastal Carolina who beat is better Baylor, than the who beat Oklahoma, <laughs> who beat no one, <laughs> who beat uh, no, nobody, nobody better than them, <laughs> Kansas State, <laughs> who beat. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're uh, the circle of suck is not going to complete itself at this point. Wait, wait. Uh, who beat Stanford? Who beat, who beat Oregon? Oregon? Who beat, who beat Ohio, Ohio State? State? There we go. Coastal <laughs> Carolina is better than Ohio State. I think is what we're trying yes. to say here. <laughs> the circle of suck is complete. <laughs> yeah, Coastal Carolina is better than Ohio State. Confirmed. Wow. Rank them. Rank them, you cowards, at the committee. Um, not a whole lot to talk about as far as other games here. Um, and only other interesting game that I saw was San Diego State-Nevada, which uh, 
Carson Strong looked a little banged up in that game, but he he does have the look of an NFL quarterback. I, I'm not entirely sure. I haven't watched him enough. Uh, but but against that San Diego State defense, he was a, he's a really tough kid, um, and he and he's got a good arm, making some good reads there. Any other notes on that game before we get to Agony Olympics? Uh, not a lot there. I mean, if you're talking about just that game, um, how they were able to pull that out uh, with San Diego State and um, and Nevada. I mean, that was a game that I was saying is going to be one of the best games in the Mountain West over the season, and I think that it so was. far is aged like that. I mean, yeah, and I thought I thought it would be these uh, these teams are both very solid. Um, love to see these teams go well, but um, yeah, it was an impressive win. It was a win I saw coming. Um, but good for them to get that win there. They only have at UNLV, which is an Allegiant Field, which is a uh, Allegiant Stadium which is where the um, the Raiders play, and then Boise State at home. So both those games should be very winnable. We know Boise State slipped up a lot this season. We know UNLV is terrible, so that road game really won't be hurtful at all. But, yeah, get through those two games, and you will – San Diego will easily win the Mountain West West and will then go on to play, uh, which I think the title game is still in Allegiant. I think they're still doing that, but um, – which I'm not going to lie, like – the Mountain West football title game in Allegiant Field, uh, that'd be kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. That'd be a pretty cool game to go to, even though I know it's not really a big conference like game to go to, but seeing a game in that beautiful stadium, um, especially between teams that are actually like a competent like football teams, I think that would actually be a lot of fun to see. So, um, I'm interested yeah, to actually, see I don't know. CSU plays in a bowl game. Very interesting. I'm trying to, to see that. what they. I'm trying to see what they do. Uh, okay, so from 2013 to 2017, the division champion with the higher college football playoff ranking going to the final week would be the host, but that was stopped in 2017. Um, so I don't know. That's really weird. So, yeah, 2018 for them was uh, was still Boise State. They hosted. 2019 was at Boise State they hosted, and then 2020 was in Sam Boyd Stadium in Nevada. Um, San Jose State beat Boise State. So, I uh, yeah, I have actually no idea where the, <laughs> where the 2021 game is going to be. They didn't really make that very clear. So, um, I guess we'll find out. But uh, again, I would I, I feel very sorry that Hawaii is obviously not very good this year because I would love to see the Mountain West Championship game be played at the Chang Athletic Complex. <laughs> that, would, that would be pretty elite. That I know we be... talked about that a lot last week. Check out the clip we actually have of our whole Hawaii football talk. It's on um, it's on our Twitter. We'll have it up on Instagram. We'll have it up for everywhere. So uh, definitely check that out. It's, uh, it's a very funny little eight minutes from us going back and forth about Hawaii, which, you know, why not? It's always fun to talk about Hawaii. So uh, aloha to the aloha state. But, yeah, let's move on now to – our favorite section, because what is better than some Agony Olympics? Where we award the teams with the gold, silver, and bronze medal of pain and suffering and who did the worst job this week and whatever they could do. So, we'll start off with our contestants here. And coming up first, we have Kansas beating Texas. I know we talked about this game a lot. There's not much else to add in here, but still hilarious that that is a real thing that happened. 
Uh, next up is TCU losing to Oklahoma State 63-17. to And, yep, our defense is worse than we thought, actually. This is worse than I thought they would do. I would not have predicted 63 points. That's amazing. Especially um, Oklahoma State. Like, Especially God. Oklahoma State. <laughs> that is just embarrassing. It's absolutely horrible. Um, next up is Auburn blowing a 28-3 lead against Mississippi State. Of course, we talked about this one a bunch, too. Next up is Syracuse losing to Louisville, forty-one to three. Oh man, Louisville was four and five, uh, coming off a of bye week. Tucker is now eleven yards short of the all-time Q single-season rushing record. Syracuse was three for fourteen from third down, zero for two from fourth. Uh, Cunningham and Schrader both attempted eighteen passes, but Schrader got ten completions for forty-six yards, and Cunningham got thirteen for two hundred nine and four touchdowns. So, quite the difference there. Um, also this Friday, just to talk about Malik Cunningham a little bit more, just cause we have this game in the books. Um, and I wanted to mention him cause he is a ridiculous athlete, but, um, Malik Cunningham has really brought back this, uh, this very sad, uh, Louisville team from being very sad to now actually kind of competent. So, um, shout out to him for actually doing a pretty good job leading Louisville back from basically the brink. Um, uh, for some reason, I cannot access this page on my ESPN app at the moment. But yeah, Louisville ended up winning 62 to 22 over Duke. Malik Cunningham had seven total touchdowns, absolutely torching the Blue Devils, which, yeah, yeah, we know Duke sucks. But now, Louisville, congratulations. You are now going to a bowl game. So good for Louisville to come in and get a big win. But yeah, Syracuse looked horrendous in this game that you just got to win one game to make a bowl game. And they blew their first chance. Uh, they play against NC State this week, which is in way worse odds given that's on the road. So we'll see how they do tomorrow. I'd like to point out that Louisville at, uh, averaged a first down every time they threw the ball. Yes, and watching the game, it was ridiculous. <laughs> but big plays were the key to the game, though. The majority of their of their touchdowns came off of 20, 30, 40-plus yards plays. Is The big plays absolutely destroyed this team. And Syracuse's best defenseman, number three, Mikel Jones, was ejected from the game with a targeting penalty. He put his head down and drove it into the chest of another, or I guess the side of their back of another player and was ejected from the game in the second quarter. So that also hurt this team a lot. Um, Georgia Tech uh, choking a 21 to seven lead to lose 41 to 30 at home to Boston College. Oh boy. Uh, Mind you, Syracuse beat Boston College 21 to six Syracuse. So the one difference, though, which is, to be fair, is that uh, Jerkovich, the starting quarterback of Boston College, finally returned after missing six games. So it's not actually that crazy that they won this game. I didn't realize he was returning. That's why I went with Georgia Tech as my pick for last week. I, I didn't know that he was coming back for this game. If I knew, I definitely would have gone Boston College. He is by far the better quarterback of him than Jeff Sims. Um, so, yeah, that would have been known as well. Um, also, a note of the Louisville game, just because I forgot, it was also the Lamar Jackson retirement jersey day. They retired his jersey at halftime. Uh, for Louisville, I got some cool pictures of it up on my site. But, uh, yeah, also forgot that, too, because I realized that if Louisville had lost the day they retired Lamar Jackson's jersey, that might not have gone very well for the Louisville faithful. Uh, so kind of makes sense they came out and won. Uh, Texas Tech beating Iowa State on a 62-yard field goal. Four losses already for the Cyclones. So, yeah, Iowa State in complete shambles right now. Lots of pain for Iowa State, who had such high hopes coming into the season. Um, very sad for them. And then Arkansas beating LSU in a game-winning field goal. I honestly cannot believe that LSU lost that game. I, they should have won it multiple times but blew the game at the end. Very disappointing that they uh, did not pull that off. So those are your candidates. Who do you got for your bronze medal winner? 
bronze medal goes to TCU. Um, just a horrendous showing in Stillwater. We both picked them to win. Uh, I know I bet them to cover. Did not cover. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Even, I think the spread was like 11. I was like, Dave, we, we won't lose this game by more than 11 points, will we? Nope. We walked into a buzzsaw in Stillwater. And we usually play well there. I mean, we usually yeah, do. Historically, we've done pretty well there. Uh, yeah, that game was um, – actually, I'm going to look up the Winsipedia because I know we usually have done pretty well. Um and yeah, against Oklahoma State in the last few years, we actually had done really well. We won in twenty seventeen in Stillwater. We won in twenty eighteen at home. We lost in twenty nineteen in Stillwater, and then we won in twenty twenty at home. So actually, yeah, in the last four years, we went uh, three and one, um, and then we destroyed them in twenty fourteen, and then lost in fifteen, sixteen, twenty twelve, and twenty thirteen. So um, hadn't done too hot, but yeah, and at least in our four years, <laughs> our four years of watching it, we were three and one. So. As long as we were in college, we did pretty well. But actually, yeah. outside of that stretch, it had been pretty bad. Um, so unfortunate for the Frogs to come out and play very poorly. But, you know, we're obviously not that good this season. Uh, for my bronze medal winner, I go, I'm go. i going with Syracuse and Dino. Guess I won't cover this time, Babers. Uh, we know that uh, his, his job is always covering. Didn't really do that a lot this weekend. It's very irritating to see him um blow a game like this this badly especially with the bowl game right on the line for the first time in three years very irritating especially because your next two games are against a really solid nc state team and a really good pit team yeah that was actually my uh silver medal uh went to dino babers uh and i put him a little higher up there because i actually bet on him to cover uh my <laughs> um, um... close my silver medalist is Auburn plus Bo Nix because you blew a 28 to three lead. And if you ever do that on my watch, I am going to clown you for doing that because I have been scarred too much by that scoreline. So you cannot do that ever again. Auburn, what is wrong with you, especially the Mississippi state of all teams. So it's very pathetic. Fair, very fair. Uh, and I got the gold medal here. Uh, goes to hook em horns. I mean, we, we have the same gold medal here, yeah. but just, you love to see that, uh, and and it's it's got to be agonizing if you're a Longhorns fan. But I can't imagine I can't imagine how it must feel to uh, lose to Kansas, even though we lost to Kansas while we were in college. See, but we didn't have expectations, and we didn't lose at home. That's the other thing. We didn't lose at home. My honorable mention is also Iowa State on the pure just a pain index of losing on a 62-yard field goal in a college game. But, um, but yeah, gold is obviously uh, the University of Texas at Austin. So very clear that they deserve that. Uh, now we can move on to our picks. It is week 12. Uh, I pulled actually a little bit um, ahead in last week's uh, rankings, not in the overall, but just in last week's. I did a little better. So it's now only a two-game spread, which I'm not going to lie, 120 games in. It's kind of remarkable. We're only two games off. But 73 and 48 for Noah, 71 and 50 for myself. Um, as you can tell, when we get to the NFL picks, they're obviously a lot better of records because the NFL is a lot easier to call. So um, these records aren't particularly great, but we're not too bad. So our 11 games going through this week, we got some good ones coming out. But first up, we got Michigan State and Ohio State. What do you got for this game? Because I think this is going to be a little more cut and dry than the rankings indicate. 
You know, I'm I'm afraid that it might be, but I'm not shaken, Jack. Uh, I I will. I do think that Michigan State will cover. I think it will be a close game. Ohio State's going to win the ball game, though. It's just what they do in November. This is Ohio State. This is November. Uh, let us not forget that there is a playoff on the line for Ohio State, and when there is a playoff on the line for Ohio State, they very rarely choke. Uh, so I will be going with Ohio State to win the game, though I think Michigan State's going to keep it pretty close. And uh, next up, we have Clemson and Wake Forest, and I'm still kind of on the fence on my pick here. I know I went with Wake Forest initially. I'm still trying to rethink it. Um, we know that uh, Sam Hartman is miles and miles and miles miles better than DJ Uagalele uh, from Clemson. Um, it's very obvious he's a better player. We know that Wake Forest has the better running back. They have the better wide receivers. The Wake Forest offense is miles better than Clemson. There's no question on that. The problem is, is the defense is the difference here. And Wake Forest's defense is significantly worse than Clemson's. So that's kind of your question is where are you at here? Because um, if you're Clemson, I'm uh, not really going to count Louisville or sorry, Connecticut, but then you had a close win at Louisville, a close win against Florida State, and then a 10-point loss, Pittsburgh, and then a very close win that should have been a loss against Syracuse. And then for Wake, you have a close but hard-fought win against NC State, a close but hard-fought loss to UNC, and then a dominant victory over Duke, and then again, close games back and forth. So, will Wake Forest score over 40 points in this game? Yeah, they will. Yeah. I have absolutely no doubt about that in my mind. Will Clemson's offense score 40 points? And that's what I don't know, because they've only been able to do that once all season. Uh, actually, no, they haven't. Against, against an FBS team, that's not Connecticut, because Connecticut doesn't count, but... If you don't count Connecticut and South Carolina State, which are obviously miles worse than Wake Forest, they've only scored a max of, like, here's their scoreline. Against Georgia, 3. Against Georgia Tech, 14. Against NC State, 21. Boston College, 19. Syracuse, 17. Pittsburgh, 17. Florida State, 30. Louisville, 30. I... I... I think I may stick with Wake in this game purely because we've only seen Clemson play any kind of decent offense against Louisville and Florida State, and Louisville is not the same Louisville team as right now. This team is totally shaped up. They look totally different, and I'm not going to judge that game as harshly. And then Florida State, we know Florida State is a terrible football team, way worse than Wake, and they only won by 10 points, and that was at home. So, yes, this game is in Clemson, which makes me worry a little bit, but I just, there's nothing out of Clemson's impressed me this year. And I think we know on paper that Wake Forest is a better team. It's just, I don't want to stick with, oh, it's just Clemson. So I'm going to pick Clemson. I think Wake really just is the better team. And I think they may win this game. I get their underdogs too, but I think that's Vegas still just thinking, oh, it's Clemson. I I think people are leaning on the fact that it's their, their name is Clemson. I don't think that Wake has played a defense like this. As solid, as good as their offense has been all year, I don't think they've played a defense with as much talent um, and as much fight as the Clemson defense. Um, Also, I'd like to point out that Wake is only a uh, a yard per game better in total defense than UConn. Now, Clemson has had their fair share of offensive struggles 
but they got it right a little bit, even though Uyagalele is still struggling throwing the ball. They got right a little bit against UConn. Um, I will be taking the Clemson Tigers, and I don't love it. I don't love it, but Wake's defense has been so awful. I don't think it's going to matter um, how good Clemson's offense is throughout the season. I don't think Wake is going to be able to stop them, and I think they're going to be able to get a couple stops against Wake. My, my one last note on this before we move on, just to, to point this out. Um, <clears throat> Syracuse's defense is better than Clemson statistically, and Syracuse let Wake Forest score 40 points on them. And I get that Wake Forest or Syracuse also scored a lot of points in that game, and Wake still won. But Syracuse still gave up a ton of points, and Syracuse's defense is better than Clemson's. And it was only because of their own offensive failures. Again, I was at the game. I saw it with Clemson, how he fell apart and blew it. But um, my one note is Syracuse's defense is very comparable, and uh, they completely lost it against Wake Forest offense. We're not ready for that at all. And that was also on the road, but, too. But um, here, here's my argument for that, just based on the talent on the field. Clemson has a better defense, maybe not statistically, but talent wise, they are going to be able to out talent wake in a way that Syracuse was not able to. Um, and I think you're going to end up seeing the lowest wake forest output output of the season in this game. Yeah. But if, I mean, if you're all argue talent too, I'd certainly say Clemson's more talented than every single team they've played this year, barring Georgia. No, <laughs> I totally agree. I think that, I think more so this is a get-right game for the Clemson offense. But we've spent a little time on this game. Let's move on to a pick that we both actually agree upon. It is an upset pick. Iowa State against Oklahoma. The spread is Iowa State. Um, Are they favored in this game? I don't think so. I think the spread is plus four, which you would never think coming off of a loss for Iowa State. But I think the fact that the spread is that close makes me really want to pick Iowa State because I think we've seen Oklahoma's true colors now that they've started playing better teams. And I think Iowa State is one of the better teams despite the loss to Texas Tech last week. Uh, yeah, I was still going with Iowa State year two, which I <clears throat> I get as kind of a bold pick, assuming that – um this game is in Oklahoma, but it's kind of one of those games where I I'm a little more agreeing with Vegas a bit more where it says that, yeah, if they're only, um, they as an Oklahoma is only favored by three and a half. That doesn't really give me a lot of confidence, um, in them in this game because yeah, Iowa state's a team that usually does pretty well against Oklahoma. I know it's not in Ames, which makes it difficult, but yeah, Oklahoma's starting to fall apart a little bit. Um, and I, I think that Iowa state can really do a good job here. I think that loss to Texas tech was kind of a fluky one. And we've seen what Iowa State was able to do against Oklahoma State. So I do think this is a fairly bold upset pick. I would not be surprised at all if Oklahoma bounced back and won. But um, but Iowa State's got a great yeah. passing defense. I think they're going to be able yeah, to force Caleb Williams or Spencer Rattler, whoever's in the game, uh, into some picks. And these offenses are pretty comparable too. Not as well, not as much in points per game, but in total yards, they've been pretty comparable. Yeah. Only about a 20-yard difference, which is pretty close. Absolutely. So they've done pretty well. Well, here's one that's going to be quick. Arkansas versus Alabama. I'm really hoping that I didn't put this on here just to jinx it and give us a loss, but I just don't think they'll do anything. Um, Alabama, um, Arkansas is one of the few ranked on ranked games this week, which I'm honestly still kind of surprised Arkansas is ranked. But, uh, yeah, this one should be extremely clean and extremely quick. Uh, Alabama should win this game by a million. 
yeah, no shot. We're gonna do our awards in a few weeks. We'll get out. We'll give out some college football awards once the season is done. Uh, there is no way I think personally that Bryce Young should win the Heisman. Um, he hasn't been that much more significantly impressive than any Alabama quarterback in recent history. Every quarterback that steps into that offense is going to be able to do every single thing that Bryce Young is doing. Um, I don't think there's any way that Bryce Young should win the Heisman. Um, I really, really, really hope he doesn't for the sake of, uh, for the sake of the reputation of the award, honestly, um, he's not the best player in college football this season. He is on the best team or one of the best teams, one of the best offenses in college football, one of the most talented teams in college football. And that is why he is uh, successful. I'm not saying that Bryce Young is bad. I just don't think he's incredibly special. Like, uh, people like to say he is. Uh, I got Alabama winning that game very, very easily. Now here, here is a trap game because you're coming off of the big win against Oklahoma at home. Now you got to go to Manhattan, Kansas, and face a very tough seven and three uh, Kansas State team in Manhattan. Baylor versus Kansas State. Who you got? I still am going to roll with Baylor here. I, I, I really don't think that K-State's that good. Um, <clears throat> I, I really just don't. I, I, I'm not really understanding why this team is 7-3. and three. I really don't get it. I get they've rattled off four wins in a row, but that's against basement West Virginia, basement Kansas, basement TCU, and basement Texas Tech. I mean, those are pretty obviously the four worst teams in the Big, <laughs> the Big 12. And then – but you lost to Iowa State by double digits. You lost to OU. You lost to Oklahoma State. And those are the three best teams you played. I mean, the Nevada win is actually looking pretty good. But then you had Southern Illinois and Stanford, two teams that, I mean, it's obviously FCS, and then Stanford's been pretty horrible besides the Oregon win. And, yeah, who do you have left? Baylor, who I think they'll lose to. And then at Texas, which, I mean, Texas is pretty much falling apart. So, yeah, I think Kansas State has just been an average team that plays in a bad conference. So I think that Baylor is better than average, and I think they'll win because of that. And interestingly enough, uh, K-State is actually favored by a point in this game. Um, but I think I think that's a little bit tricky. Um, I think Baylor is clearly the better team here. I think uh, Vegas is really, really leaning on the hangover uh, loss in, uh, in Manhattan. Uh, tough game against an underrated um kansas uh state team this season but but big but baylor is clearly the better team i think they're clearly focused this season um i think tcu was the trap game and if you're gonna give me baylor plus points i'm going to take it uh so i'm getting baylor uh in this game uh next up one of our ranked matches matchups this week, we got Oregon versus Utah. And here's where we disagree. Finally, a good Pac-12 game. Utah is actually favored by three points in this game. Interestingly enough, the game is in Salt Lake City. That is a very tough place to play. Um, it's probably going to be cold. I still think Oregon gets it done. I haven't seen anything necessarily impressive out of Utah this year. Uh, I saw them falter against BYU this year, 
And I get that this is a different team at home, but I don't think they are nearly as good as we are all giving them credit for. I think Oregon is on a mission at this point. They've got all their guys back uh, with the exception of CJ Verdell. And I think Oregon rolls in this game. Travis Dye is going to have himself a game in Salt Lake. I think this Utah defense is good enough to get it done <clears throat> because I know that their pass defense is much better than than Oregon's. I bet their rush defenses are pretty similar. And I think their defense is good enough to, to get to get their job done here. Offense, again, are very, very similar. Points per game is nearly the exact same. Points allowed per game is nearly the exact same. Like on paper, these teams are um, incredibly comparable in teams. And I get that Oregon's rattled off a lot of good wins in a row, but they've rattled off a lot of very close wins in a row. Even their last couple of games against Washington, Washington State, they were able to close out, but they weren't as strong as they really should have been. And so I think because of that, I'm liking them a little more. And Utah's last three games have all been really good. I get that the Arizona game didn't go exactly as much as they wanted, but Stanford-UCLA before that went great. Arizona State was a big win. And I know they lost to Oregon State, but I know Oregon State's been one of the biggest surprises of really the whole college football world this season. If you want to talk about surprisingly actually pretty decent teams, I don't think anybody had any faith whatsoever in Oregon State being decent, and they ended up being 6-4 and four so far. So – um, with with Arizona State and Oregon to go. So that um, could be a little difficult for them. But, yeah, I really liked a lot of what Utah's brought this season. I think they're favored in this game for a reason, and I think they're going to come out and win this. Kyle Whittenham is a great head coach, and I think they're going to really lead the way to get a win here. Um, I, th- I think they're a really, really solid team. Uh, even the losses they've had against BYU and San Diego State, both on the road, are both aging great. Both those teams are really solid, highly ranked teams that are not power five that no one really thought a lot of, but yeah, they're both pretty good. So yeah, if you're Utah, you don't really have a bad loss on your schedule per se. Um, I still Oregon state is a bad loss either, but I, I think Oregon is a really formidable team, but I think they could come through with them and really win here. And again, the Stanford difference, I know that's only one team, but Utah absolutely slaughtered Stanford while that was the one blemish on Oregon's record. So I think they can come out and get a win here. Um, I wouldn't be too shocked if they lost either. Again, this is one of those games that there's, I mean, any game that's below a four point spread is pretty much a toss up, but um, I think Utah can get the job done. I, I, as we were speaking uh, or as you were speaking, I just took Oregon plus the points. You can't give me Oregon plus three um, and, and expect me not to take it. Oregon plus three all day. That's the lock of the week. Um, from the Punky Coverage Podcast. See, we'll see about that. Next up, we have Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. I'm only putting this on here because I ran out of games, and so this is the only other game I could find. Um, this week has a pretty tight slate, so we're adding this one in. Uh, but Oklahoma State against Texas Tech, I know Tech pulled off an improbable win over Iowa State last week, but, yeah, Lightning is not going to strike twice. This should be an easy tune-up game for Oklahoma State getting ready for Bedlam. I'm absolutely with you there. Um, yeah, this here's your lock of the week. <laughs> yeah, but let me let me see what the spread is on that. But yeah, that's the lock of the week. Uh, after that, we have uh, Team USA, otherwise known as the University of South Alabama, and they are going up to play Tennessee in Tennessee's uh, free win of the season um, for their SEC moment. And yeah, they're going to win this game by a thousand. I have absolutely full confidence in them, especially coming off of a solid start to the Georgia game, not as great as a finish, but I think they're definitely good enough to come out and get a good win here. Also Oklahoma state's favored by 10 on the road. Brother, you, you better knock on some damn wood, but yeah, the balls, the balls are going to win this one. I'm pretty confident. 
Uh, next up, we have the Kansas Heroes of America Jayhawks going up against the uh, Depression of America TCU. And, uh, yeah, I, I know Kansas won. I know, I know. But am I still convinced that TCU is going to blow this and Kansas win two in a row? No. I don't think they'll blow it. But the spread's 21. And do we really think that we're going to cover? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think Kansas will actually cover this game because I think that last week really lit a fire underneath them. And I think they might actually come out and not be terrible. Remember, before the last couple of seasons, TCU was bad against Kansas nearly every year in the Big 12. This had usually well, been our bogey team. And and here's here's the larger point is what people don't want to talk about from last week is that everyone on the TCU offense is hurt suddenly, uh, which of course just makes Doug Meacham want to find five new ways to run a jet sweep because it's his favorite play of all time. And I counted at least three jet sweeps in the second quarter alone. One of them was a fake jet sweep. We faked the jet sweep and then threw it to the guy that <laughs> we just faked the jet sweep to. It, it, Doug Meacham and has a jet sweep fetish, and I will never understand it. I think he sits alone in his room and just watches jet sweeps. This side, that side, back and forth. Um, and that, I, I don't know, maybe that's what gets Doug Meacham going nowadays because uh, he's he's a very old man and he needs, you know, he probably needs some help there. Um, that being said, TCU is going to win this game, but they will not cover a 21-point spread, uh, considering that we may have wide receivers playing running backs uh, or quarterback, because all our quarterbacks are in the transfer portal, and Chandler Morris and Duggan are both hurt. So my answer to (coughs) to that is that TCU plays Iowa State in Ames last game of the year. Are we going to a bowl game? (laughs) Negatory. Uh, so, honestly, congratulations to the football players that are on the team because instead of going to play in the taxslayer.com bowl or something, you're good to go home. I would rather I would rather go home than play in the Cheez-It Bowl. I can tell you that right now. I think that's fair. Uh, next up, we can move on to Georgia Tech against Notre Dame. This is a very old rivalry, and it's getting a little old for me. Uh, This is going to be a bloodbath. I have no interest in seeing this game unless it's close. Notre Dame is favored by 17, which is honestly not high enough. Um, Georgia Tech's offense has actually been pretty good this year. In fact, it averages more yards than Notre Dame's does, which is kind of remarkable. But the defense of Georgia Tech, Woo, baby. Georgia Tech's defense allows over 445 yards of offense per game, which is kind of shocking. They've allowed 41 to Boston College, 33 to Miami, 26 to Virginia, and 48 to to UVA in the last four games, while Notre Dame has allowed nine points in their last two games combined. So, yeah, I think this one's a little cut and dry. I think Notre Dame's going to come out and play well. I see this game going a lot like the North Carolina game. Is North Carolina a similar team with great offense and no no defense? So uh, this should be a very easy win for Notre Dame. Yeah, cut and dry, Notre Dame. Uh, last game, Syracuse versus NC State. Uh, not very pleased by Syracuse's performance last week, but maybe. I don't know. 
Maybe they make it a little interesting. I'm not so sure. Uh, I'm going to take NC State. Haven't decided on the cover yet. I, I still don't think NC State is all that great, but I, I seeing 11 and a half be the spread, I actually am pretty decently confident we can come out and cover that, given that our offense has been improving. Our offense actually averages almost 400 yards a game, which considering the start of the season is actually somewhat impressive. But it, it's just – I really don't get it. We, we've just been very waffling on our offense. I think NC State's a very beatable team, but it just hasn't gone our way a lot. But, yeah, these teams statistically are extremely close together. Uh, defenses allow within five yards of each other. Offenses, uh, NC State's up by about 15. <clears throat> the big difference here is points per game. That's that's the difference here, where Syracuse's margin is only about uh, two, uh, while NC State's margin is about 14. So, that's your big difference there. But uh, in terms of total yardage, is pretty close. Syracuse has been unable to score a lot more. So I think if everyone's healthy and ready to go in this game, it could be decently close. But I just – I don't know. I, I don't think Syracuse has really any hope of winning this game. But, hey, at least Sean Tucker is very likely to finally break the Syracuse all-time single-season rushing record. So hoorah for that. like to see it. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Blanky Coverage Podcast. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to check out Jack and I's blogs up on the website, gtdsports.com. But for now, I'm Noah Parker. And I'm Jack Wells. Peace Peace out, out, y'all.